welcome to More Than Myths. Why is your screen name Mushies? <laughs> is it going to give me all the mushy feelings? Or is it going to make me feel mushy in a bad way? <laughs> um, mute first. You muted. Yeah. There we yeah. go. Sorry. Um, it's not Mushies. <laughs> oh, is it Mushies? <laughs> yes. Oh, like mushrooms. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> better. Oh my gosh. Oh my god, that's uh, really funny. That's I was hilarious. like, I don't, I don't know if mushies. <laughs> oh, what she's smoking. Sometimes <laughs> Haley and I will name like we have a recording app and we like kind of call in and you can put your name in each time and we'll put in like maybe an episode, you know, topic a teaser, or, or teaser for each other. Know. Yeah. Sorry, my dog. I love it. Anyway, welcome to More Than Myths, guys. Welcome. I've got a cold this week. A little bit, but you it don't came, sound terrible. That's good, because it yeah. came out of nowhere. It was just like, hi, I'm here. Hello. Like, Wait a minute. Do Are I you feel ready like for garbage? Me? <laughs> I do, do feel like garbage. And it was, that was it. As a matter of fact, I do. Oh, I'm sorry. It's all good. I'm going to nap all day. It's going to be great. Oh, my gosh. I don't know what it is about taking naps when there's sunshine and it's warm mm -hmm. and cozy and you can kind of have the window open a little bit. Oh, Okay. I don't know what planet you're on. It's so cold here. <laughs> it's cold here, too, but I'll wrap up in 500 blankets. That's oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I'm with that. I'm with that. Um, So you were telling me earlier this week that you read somewhere you saw something that you can like put intention into like stirring your cup of coffee or braiding yeah. your hair uh-huh and that blew my mind yeah it blew it, my mind you can just i yeah i didn't i don't even remember where I, somewhere on instagram i you know follow a lot of those different kind of accounts mm -hmm. and it was just a you don't have to have like a specific time that you're setting intentions you know like you can do it when you're making your morning coffee and you just stir your coffee and you set your intentions for the day and I've started doing that and I definitely feel uh I don't know kind of like a mind set shift because mm -hmm. sometimes I'm I, I don't know about you sometimes I get kind of grumpy about going to work some days because I'm like oh my gosh I have so many things I need to do mm -hmm. but I also have obligations to the people that I work for right. and I'm not going to let them down so yeah. <laughs> it's kind of you know I felt like I needed to do that and braiding my hair because like you said I braid my hair all the time mm -hmm. every day <laughs> so doing that yeah I have a braid in my hair and I actually did I did that your braid made <laughs> me said, think of it actually <laughs> <laughs> that's funny yeah it was setting my intentions so yeah i love good it little practice I, I did it with my i did it with my pasta water the other day i love it yeah i was, just, so, I was just excited about it i was like mm -hmm. oh wait i can do these little yeah you know because it's all about mindset like even yes. if you don't believe in the magic of it it's at least like just stepping in and putting mm -hmm. like some positive vibes into yeah the that energy into it yeah like i yeah. made myself a tub last night a bath a tub <laughs> A tub. 
I mean, it was, you know, I was getting ready for tub and tuck in. And mm. uh, yeah, I set my intentions and took a bath. It was nice. I love it. Yeah. It's just, so cool. Just trying to do that a little bit more, you know, be mindful. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, I also got my Invisalign this week. So I've been putting this off for years and years and I finally did it. So you guys have to get used to me talking because <laughs> I have to get used to me talking. So if yeah. I lisp, this is why I'm struggling. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it is hard. It's like learning to have that an extra two things, you know, in your mouth constantly and your tongue's not used to yeah. that. And yeah, I, I can remember learning how to hold a retainer in my mouth because I had, okay, this is the craziest thing. I didn't even know this was the thing. You can have retainers without wires in them. And I had to learn how to just keep the retainer in my mouth. Yeah. I don't know what it was for. I don't know what the purpose of it was. It was what? crazy. Mm-hmm. That's wild. Yeah. I think maybe it had like two at the back to kind of like hold, like kind of hold, but I can't really remember. What I do remember though, is that it didn't have any of the traditional ones that you see like up over your teeth, yeah. you know? Yeah. I just had to learn how to hold it in my, hold it in my mouth. And I, I think that was one that I lost maybe a lot couple times <laughs> yeah I, um, my parents annoyance <laughs> yeah i've never had braces or anything like this before and so it's definitely a learning curve and that's awful so uncomfortable so awful um, yes but day four i'm feeling uh day four day five four five yeah i'm feeling like i'm getting a little bit better but we'll see my we'll see uh goes my phone must have been listening to me because <laughs> I was going to tell you about this. There was a something that I'd seen that came up that was saying, you know, if you have trouble with if you just got braces and you're experiencing a lot of pain, this is some things that you were that you should do. Oh, my God. It heard me <laughs> bitching to you. <laughs> but it was telling I, this is one I had shared with you um, that you should eat a lot of cold things like drink a lot of cold yeah. water because that yeah. the heat in your mouth makes it worse. And so yeah. drinking a lot of cold things, I was like, oh, yeah, I need to tell her that. Like, I ate vanilla ice cream last night. I probably and I just felt like, so good. I just took a huge bite and let it sit in my uh, mouth. Yeah. Oh, man, that is terrible. It was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. I was like, yeah. okay, I'm just going to sit here. And that this. pain. Oh, my gosh. It is just the worst. Some of the worst. It's awful. Yeah, it's Can't just like achiness of it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then yeah. getting sick on top of it. I'm like, is yeah. my mouth? My mouth is dry because I'm sleeping with my mouth open. Oh yeah. And then I have like this cold, and so yes. I'm just like, really? <laughs> <laughs> it just dries the Sahara. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, <sighs> I think it's my turn. Are you ready to? Are you ready? Yeah, I'm really curious. You're your your hint was swan wings. <sighs> yeah, it was. Is that related to your story at all? It is. Okay. Actually. I'm ready. Um, all right. Hans Christian Andersen was born in Odense, Denmark on mm -hmm. April 2nd, 1805 to Hans and Anne-Marie in a small one-bedroom home. Okay. <laughs> So I'm going to tell you a little bit about his life, and then I'm going to read you a fairy tale. 
Love it. We okay. We have a. This episode's gonna be just light and happy. Well, all right. Never mind. I just I remember mean, the original <laughs> Little Mermaid. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um. So never in, mind. Redacted. In, yeah. Redacted. Uh. Some of them are very light. Some of them, like the one I'm gonna read you, is. A little bit interesting. It's I had never heard this story before. Okay, and so I googled some of the most obscure, like le- le- little known stories that he had written, and this was one of the ones that I came up with because, of course, I just went to the bookstore and got the most beautiful mm. Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale book, and so I thought, well, I have all these stories. I might as well tell you some. <laughs> yeah, you should post a picture of those. Oh yeah, they are really pretty. I will will do it. Noted. All right. So he was born in Odense, Denmark on April 2nd, 1805 to Hans and Anne-Marie in a very small one-bedroom home. Um, in 1807, uh, H.C., that's actually how he's known in Denmark. And it's a lot mm-hmm. quicker to say that than Hans Christian. So that's what we're going to go with from now on. Cool. <laughs> um, they moved to another home, which he would go later. He would describe as his childhood home. It was still located in Odense. And his family lived there from 1807 to 1818. This was a tiny house, and in it, there were three families consisting of 12 people total. Whoa. Mm -hmm. So it was very crowded. They didn't have any privacy. Um, And it was said that this complete lack of privacy was what would help develop his imagination and love for stories. But he rarely spoke. He didn't have anything good to say about his childhood a lot of the times. But one of the things that he did speak fondly of was a shelf over his father's workbench that had a lot of books and songs. And his father was the person that actually first introduced him to stories by reading him Arabian Nights. Um, When he was 11, his father passed away on the 26th of April of 1816. And he would go to school, HC would go to school occasionally, but he would rather memorize stories than learn to read. So he would retell these stories that he'd learned to anyone who would listen, and he would kind of act out the stories. He would pretend to be a ballet dancer or an acrobat, um, and his mother was not impressed. She did not like that he wanted to tell stories, and so she decided that she needed to put an end to his play acting and imagination, and she got a hold of a weaver, and he was sent to be an apprentice. She would also later later send him to work at a tobacco factory and to work as a tailor. Um, wow. but this, yeah, it didn't stop him. Uh, yeah, he knew no what he shit. wanted. Mm-hmm. Like that yeah. backfired. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he knew what he wanted. And that was to be in the theater. He wanted to be surrounded with books and stories. So when he turned 14, he mm-hmm. decided that he was going to leave his home and go to Copenhagen to seek his fortune. At 14 right. years old. Yeah. It's such a different time. Well, right. I mean, 14, you're a grown man. You're a grown. Yeah, you're a grown up right? at that point. Mm-hmm. So for the first three years, he lived in extreme poverty. Um, It was said that it was worse than when, like, his childhood. And they were, he came from a pretty poor family. Right. Um, He first earned a small wage as a, in a boys choir. But when his voice started to change, he had to leave. Um, Mm -hmm. he did attempt to become a ballet dancer, but he was really tall and really uncoordinated. And (laughs) so he quit that also, um, Mm -hmm. he tried manual labor, but that didn't work out very well, but he never once considered going back to his family home and admitting defeat. 
When he was 17, he had the chance encounter with a man named Jonas Collins, who was the director of the Royal Danish Theater. And he had actually seen um, Anderson's work. And he thought, you know what, I'm going to give this kid a chance. So this guy, Colin, approached the king, Frederick VI, and was like, hey, there's this kid that I think would do really well in school and convinced the king to pay for part of his education. Wow. Yeah. So he would go on to the towns of Slegelis and Helsingor, um, but he didn't excel at school either. Um, he was teased a lot. People were really cruel to him. Um, and his teachers were actually really mean to him, too. And they would make fun of him for wanting to be a writer. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, so today we believe he suffered from dyslexia. So he wanted to memorize stories and make them up instead of actually reading them. Mm-hmm. All right. uh, in 1827, he was pulled from school by Jonas Collins because of the abuse that he was receiving. And he actually arranged for him to finish his studies in Copenhagen with a private teacher. And at the age of 23, he completed the required exams for entrance into the university. Um, in 1829, his first works were published. Uh, In 1833, he received a grant from the king for travel expenses, and he spent the next 16 months traveling through Germany, Switzerland, Italy, and France. Um, During his lifetime, he would go on extended journeys 30 times, and he would end up spending almost 15 years of his life in other countries. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Uh, He was quoted to say, to travel is to live. And aside from his fairy tales, he is well known for his travel stories. Uh, in 1835, he published his first book. Um, that same year, he published a fairy tale book, which also received a lot of praise. His first book was an instant success. Mm-hmm. Um, but he would go on to publish over 160 fairy tales. Uh, he never married. He never had any children of his own, but he would write stories for children. Um In 1872, he was injured when he fell out of bed, and he never really recovered, and he passed away on the 4th of August, 1875. So they are, his original fairy tales are filled with a lot of brutality, um, misery, and death, Um, and the reason, so they weren't translated exactly as they were first written, um, Mm -hmm. and the reason for this is because... um, they were translated during Victoria, Queen Victoria's reign of Britain, mm-hmm. and she was a staunch Puritan, and her reign was marked with very strict ideals of morality. Gotcha. So, but they they are, the actual translations are available now, so. Gotcha. I was going to ask if that was, like. Yeah. You know, that doesn't seem fair. No, it doesn't. Um, but you can find the actual true translations of how they are today mm-hmm. um so the story i'm gonna tell you and i've never heard of it maybe you've heard of it it's called the traveling companion no no okay and I'm- hold on though i need a blanket okay i found a robe to wear backwards that'll work it looks cozy it's lovely yeah and you can put your arms in it and keep your keep your torso real cozy mm-hmm. all right <clears throat> So I'm going to try to kind of condense it because it it is kind of a long story. But some of the parts in here I'm going to read you because it's beautiful. Okay. (laughs) His writing is just amazing. So this is The Traveling Companion. John was very sad because his father was sick and he was dying. 
And his father calls him to him and he says, you've been a good son, John, and God will help you in the world. And he looked at him, drew a deep breath, and he died. Mm-hmm. And John was so sad. He he was crying. There was He didn't have anybody. He didn't have any brothers or sisters and his father. It was his, his mother had died years ago. And so he knelt by his father's bedside and cried, basically cried himself to sleep. And he dreamed a strange dream. He thought that the sun was shining upon him and his father was alive and well. And he heard him laughing like he used to when they were together. And there was a beautiful girl with a golden crown on her head and long shining hair. And he gave her, him, her hand. And his father says to him, see what a bride you've won? She's the loveliest maiden on the whole earth. Then he awoke and all of the beautiful things vanished before his eyes. So during the following week, John arranges for his father to be buried. And they're at the funeral and they're, He's very sad, but the sun is shining brightly on the green trees as if to say, you must not be sorrowful, John. Do you see the beautiful blue sky above you? Your father is up there. Mm. And John says, I will always be good. And then I shall go to be with my father. What joy it will be when we see each other again. How much I shall have to relate to him and how many things he will be able to explain to me of the delights of heaven. (laughs) So he leaves. He finds a he makes a large wooden cross to put on his father's grave and he comes back later that evening and his father's grave has been covered in flowers because there are so many people that knew his father and he was such a good guy and loved him so much. So John was, John felt a little bit better. So the next morning, John packs up his little bundle of clothes and he has about $50 to his name and he decides that he's going to leave and he's going to go out into the world and try to make his fortune. So he's passing through the fields and all the flowers look fresh and beautiful in the warm sunshine and nodding in the wind as if they wish to say, welcome to the green world where it is fresh and bright. Mm -hmm. So John continues his journey and thought of all the wonderful things he should see in the large, beautiful world till he found himself further away from home than he had ever been before. I thought of the Hobbit when he's like, if I take one more step, I'll I'll be be further away from home than I've ever been before. Good old Sam. Yep. (laughs) So the first night he slept in a haystack out in the fields, for there was no other bed for him. But it seemed to him so nice and comfortable that even a king need not wish for a better. The field, the brook, the haystacks with the bright blue sky above formed a beautiful sleeping room. The green grass with the little red and white flowers was the carpet. The elder bushes and the hedges of wild roses looked like garlands on the walls. And for a bath, he could have the clear, fresh water of the brook. While the rushes bowed their heads to him to wish him good morning and good evening. The moon, like a large lamp, hung high up in the blue ceiling, and he had no fear of it setting fire to his curtains. So he sleeps and in the morning he wakes up and there's a church that's nearby and the bells are ringing and he goes in and he listens to the sermon and he comes out and it's there's a churchyard and there's several graves that are in this little churchyard and the grass is really long and he gets sad because he thinks, you know, my father just died and there's not going to be anybody that's going to be able to tend his grave. So mm-hmm. he actually starts pulling up the grass. Like He's just a good guy. Right. Um, but he, so he's pulling up the grass and he writes all the wooden crosses that have fallen down. And he says, perhaps someone is doing the same thing for my father's grave. Mm -hmm. So he leaves um, feeling lighter and happier than ever. And he, it starts to get stormy and he finds this little church up on a hill and he goes into the church and he falls asleep. He wakes up in the night and there was a 
coffin, I guess, that was brought in maybe while he was asleep. I'm not sure. Um, But he sees this open coffin standing in the center of the church and there's a man inside waiting to be buried the next day. It says, John was not at all timid and he knew also that the dead can never injure anyone for it is the living wicked men who do harm to others. (laughs) That's deep. (laughs) Yeah. So there were two men that were standing over the dead man and Mm -hmm. they were going to throw the poor dead man outside of the church door and not let him rest in his coffin. And John asks them, why are you doing this? And they said, you know, he's cheated us. He owed us a lot of money and he can't pay it. Now he's dead. And so for our revenge, we're just going to let him lie like a dog outside of the church door. John, John tells them, you know what? I have $50 and I'll give it to you if you just leave him alone. Let him rest in peace. Wow. So the guys are like, yeah, we'll take your money. And they laugh in his face and they leave. So John puts the guy back in the coffin, folds his hands and he leaves and he goes through this great big forest and he is leaving the forest and he hears a man's voice call out to him. And he says, where are you traveling? And John replies, he says, into the wide world. And so the guy says, I'm also going into the wide world. Maybe we can keep each other company. So John agrees and they go, they start traveling together and they become really good friends. And the stranger is really knowledgeable. He's much older than John. Um, So he tells them all of the things about the world and, um, they're stopped under a tree for breakfast one day and there's an old woman that's coming towards them and she has a stick and she's got like wood on her back and she trips and falls and breaks her leg. Oh no. So John's like, we have to help her. We need to take her back to her cottage. And the stranger's like, it's fine. I got it. He opens his backpack. Oh, knapsack, I guess, whatever. And <laughs> his Jansport. <laughs> yeah, he, he unzips his Jansport bag <laughs> <laughs> and takes out some lotion, this ointment. And he's he's like, just rub this on your leg and your leg will be healed. And in return, he wanted these three ferns that she was carrying with her. And she's like, you can't have my ferns. But you're laying there with a broken leg so eventually she agrees yeah so he rubs this ointment on her leg and she gets up and she's dancing around and her leg is even better than it was before and she doesn't need to use her cane anymore and john asks him he's like what are you gonna do with those ferns and the guy says they will make great brooms and i like them because i have strange whims (laughs) okay (laughs) Okay. I like strange things, okay? <laughs> yep. Don't just, judge me, John. Yep, don't judge me, John. I'm just hanging out with my friends. It's fine. Yeah. So they keep journeying, and they get to this inn, and there is a puppet show. Mm-hmm. So right in the front, um, there is a stout butcher with a bulldog who seemed very inclined to bite. <laughs> so the play begins it's really pretty there's a king and a queen the puppets are beautiful and the dog jumps up and bites the queen in half the puppet he bites her in half and the oh. guy is really sad and he's like why would you let your dog do that that's terrible so after everyone leaves the stranger and john go up to the puppet master and they're like hey we can fix your doll it's no problem so he rubs this ointment onto the doll and As soon as this was done, the doll's back became quite right again. Her head and shoulders was fixed on, and she could even move her limbs herself. There was (gasps) now, yeah, she 
I wondered, I wondered if this was kind of where the origin of Pinocchio came from. Yeah. Like they kind of took this from his original story. Mm-hmm. All right. So later in the evening, ever after everybody's gone to bed, um, they start hearing this sighing. And so the puppet master gets up and all of his dolls are laying on the floor and they're sighing and they're sad because they all, I know it doesn't make sense. Don't try to make it make sense. That's a fair They tale. all, <laughs> yep. They all wanted to be rubbed with this ointment. <laughs> they're all jealous. They're all, like, <laughs> they're all oh, jealous. I yep. wish I was a real boy. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, so the queen, the queen puppet throws herself on her knees, takes off her beautiful crown, and holding it in her hand, says, take this from me, but do rub my husband and his courtiers. <laughs> so the guy's like, I can't help you. But he goes to John, and John's friend agrees. Like, yeah, if you give me your sword, I'll put this ointment on your dolls and make them come to life. So they agree. The traveler gets the sword, and now the puppet master has these alive dolls that can just perform without mm-hmm. having to have their strings pulled. So the next morning they leave and they are traveling um, through this forest and they hear this beautiful song. They hear this beautiful bird singing and it's a white swan and it's coming closer and closer. But the song is getting weaker and weaker and it it lands in front of them and it dies. And the traveler says, it's such a beautiful bird and these large white wings are worth a great deal of money. I will take them with me. You see, now the sword is really useful. He cuts the wings off of the dead bird and takes them with him. Okay. Book. No, thanks. So they continue on their journey and they come to this town. And in the center of the town, there's this beautiful marble palace. And they decide to stop outside of the town because they can't go in looking like they do because they're all dirty because they've been traveling. And they are like, yeah, the king's really good, but his daughter's awful. She's very wicked. She's a wicked princess. She's beautiful enough, but she is a wicked witch. And there have been a lot of princes that have come and died because of her. And they can all come to her and ask her to marry, to marry her. But she gets to, she wants him to guess three things that she's thinking. And if he succeeds, he gets to marry her and be king over all the land when her father dies. But if he can't guess these three things, he'd be hanged or have his head cut off. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so all of these princes come and nobody, not a single person has even been able to guess once and they've all been hung or beheaded. So he's like, that's just terrible. She should be like flogged. <laughs> yeah. She should be stopped. She should be stopped. Somebody should put a stop to this. And just outside, the princess is actually passing by, and she's so beautiful that everybody forgets her wickedness. There are 12 lovely maidens in white white silk dresses holding golden tulips in their hands, rode by her side on coal black horses. The princess herself is on a snow-white steed decked with diamonds and rubies. Her dress was a cloth of gold, and the whip she held in her hand looked like a sunbeam. The golden crown on her head glittered like the stars of heaven, and her mantle was formed of thousands of butterfly wings sewn together. So beautiful. Wow. So when John sees her, he can't believe it. This is the woman from his dream. (gasps) I was wondering when she was coming back. (laughs) Yep. She's here. So he's like, this can't be that. That's not real. That's not her. She's not wicked. Like, she's beautiful. Like, why would she have these men be hung? 
So he decides that he's going to go up to the palace and he's going to. He's going to try. He's going to give it a go. Yep. So everybody's trying to persuade him, like, you don't want to go up there. Everybody's died. And John's like, it's fine. It's going to be fine. So he goes up to the palace and the king answers the door. <laughs> Which I thought was interesting. I was like, No, uh, King, I know. I know. I knew that he was, well, yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> so John tells him his intention, and the king starts to cry. And he's like, You don't want to do this. You're going to fare as badly as all of the other ones. And he's like, Come with me and see this. So he takes him out into the princess's garden, and there he saw a frightful sight. On every tree hung three or four king's sons who had wooed the princess but had not been able to guess the riddle she gave them. Their skeleton was rattled in every breeze so that the terrified birds never dared to venture into the garden. All the flowers were supported by human bones instead of sticks, and human skulls in the flower pots grinned horribly. It was really a doleful garden for a princess. Whoa. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> yeah, there were some parts that I just had... I. I had to read them to you because I can't do them justice. No, that's sick. Yeah, it's really gross. Well, a garden full of bones. But it's beautiful because there's flowers It's like a garden, but... right? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like it's like when you look at it too long, you just start to notice, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, <gasps> yep. Instead <gasps> of sticks, the flowers are <laughs> staked up with bones. Mm -hmm. So the princess comes in and he... They wish each other good morning. And he's like, how can she be this wicked witch that all these people think? So it, they decide that John will come back the next day. And he's going to try to guess what she's thinking. He's not worried about it. He's not anxious. Um, he goes back to the inn. And he's telling his fellow traveler, you know, I met the princess. She is beautiful. And this is what this is my plan. So he tells him, the traveler tells him, I wish you to do well. And I'm probably going to lose you. And I'm really sad. Mm. So in the evening, they prepare this big party. They're going to celebrate. And John drinks two cups of punch. And he gets a little bit tipsy and goes to sleep. So his traveling companion takes him and puts him to bed. And he takes the two large wings that he cut from the dead swan. And tied them firmly to his own shoulders. Then he put into his pocket the largest of the three rods, which he obtained from the old woman who had fallen, the ferns, and he goes up to the castle to wait for the princess to leave. So she leaves, and she's actually got black wings, and she flies up to the mountain. But while she's flying, he is invisible. The traveler is invisible, so she can't see him. And he is, like, hitting her with this rod, and she <laughs> she says, oh, how it hails. <laughs> but I'm thinking, like, wouldn't you see hail somewhere else like yeah it's kind of silly but anyway she gets up to the mountain and knocks on the mountain and the mountain opens and the princess goes inside the traveler follows her and nobody sees him because he's invisible mm -hmm. and there they went through this long wide passage a thousand gleaming spiders ran here and there on the walls causing them to glitter as if they were illuminated with fire they Ew. next <laughs> yeah they next Ew. entered <laughs> That got me. Yeah. Well, this is also going to get you the, the description of their hall. Mm. They next entered a large hall built of silver and gold. Large red and blue flowers shone on the walls, looking like sunflowers in size. But no one could dare pluck them, for the stems were hideous, poisonous snakes. And the flowers were flames of blue darting out of their jaws. Shining glowworms covered the ceiling, and sky blue bats 
flap their transparent wings. Cool. Yeah, I knew you'd like that part. (laughs) (laughs) Although the place had a frightful appearance, in the middle of the floor stood a throne supported by four skeleton horses whose harnesses had been made of fiery red spiders. The throne itself was made of milk-white glass, and the cushions were little black mice, each biting the other's tail. What? I know. Over it hung a canopy of rose-colored spiderwebs spotted with the prettiest little green flies that sparkled like precious stones. On the throne sat an old magician with a crown on his ugly head and a scepter in his hand. He kisses the princess, seats him next to her, her next to him, there Mm -hmm. you go, and music starts to play. So there are great black grasshoppers playing a mouth organ, and there's an owl that is playing her tummy like a drum. Okay. (laughs) So there's little goblins that come in and they're dancing. And then there's courtiers that come in and they look really noble and grand. But when you look really close, they're actually broomsticks with cabbages for heads. (laughs) (laughs) It's all like a little bit off, right? Uh huh. Just a little bit of deception. Mm -hmm. Yep. So everybody's dancing, and the princess tells the magician that she has the new suitor. And, you know, she's asked him what he what he what she should think of the suitor to guess and the magician tells her you must choose something really easy because he's like he's less likely to guess it and he says think of one of your shoes he'll never guess that then cut off his head and mind you do not forget to bring his eyes with you tomorrow that i might eat them ew yeah the princess curtsies leaves and says i won't forget the eyes so she goes home and the traveler follows her and beats her with the rod again and he returns to the inn while John's still asleep, and he whispers in his ear what he should guess tomorrow. So he wakes up in the morning, and he's like, I had the weirdest dream. You were telling me that I should think about her shoes. So he's like, I might as well give it a try. It's as good as anything. So he goes up to the castle, and the the princess enters, and she looks more beautiful than ever. And they are all sitting in this throne room, and John says, you're thinking of a shoe. And she just goes pale. Everybody's really excited because nobody's been able to guess a single time. So John goes back to the inn and he tells him, you know, I was able to guess the first time so that same the next evening, the same thing happens. So while John sleeps, the traveler goes up to the mountain, beating the princess with two ferns this time. And he kind of the same thing happens. There's a dance, all of us. And um he tells he comes back and tells John that he needs to guess a glove. So he goes back up to the castle the next morning and he guesses the glove, and everybody's happy and excited, uh, right? They're just uh, wow, this is amazing. How did he do this? So John goes back to the inn and goes to bed very early. And his companion, the traveling companion, mm-hmm. puts his wings on his shoulders and he takes all three of his rods and the sword with him this time, and he follows the princess. Oh, okay. So he follows the princess to the mountain and the princess tells the wizard like, oh, you know, he's guessed right a second time. And if he succeeds the next morning, she can't come to the mountain again and practice magic. And the wizard tells her, just give me a minute and I'll think of what you should tell him. So they have a dance and they are going home and the magician, there's a really bad storm this time, actually, for reals. And the magician offers to go with her that they might be able that he can help her fly home. And when he drops her off at the palace, he tells her, you know, think of my head. So the traveler hears this and he follows the magician back 
grabs him by his beard and cuts off his head. Oh. Yeah. He throws the body into the sea with the fishes and then dips his head in water and ties it up in a silk handkerchief. He takes it with him to the inn and goes to bed. The next morning, he gives John the handkerchief and he says, don't untie this until you're standing in front of the princess and she asks you what she's thinking. So John goes up to the castle mm-hmm. and the princess is very pale and she's wearing a black dress like she's in mourning. And he, she says, what have I thought of? <laughs> he immediately unties the handkerchief and was himself quite frightened when he saw the head of the ugly magician. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? What the hell is this? <laughs> what in the fresh hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> so at length, she rose up and gave John her hand for he had guessed rightly. She looks at no one and she says, you are my master now. This evening, our marriage will take place. So all the people are excited. There are bells ringing and they have three oxen that are stuck, stuffed with ducks and chickens and it's roasted whole and everybody gets a slice because they're having this big wedding celebration. Wow. Okay. Ew. Uh, ox duckin. An ox. Yeah, I guess. Well, yeah, because chicken duckin. Yeah. That's bananas. Gross. Yeah, a little bit gross. But everybody gets some. Nobody's denied. The fountains are actually, they bring forth wine. Mm, nice. <laughs> and um, everybody, everybody's drinking and dancing. Everybody's really excited. But the princess is still a witch. And she couldn't love John. So his traveler had thought of that. So he gave John three feathers out of the swan wings and a little bottle with a few drops in it. And he tells, tells him to fill a large basin with water and when she's getting into bed he'll put the feathers on the drops of this liquid into this bath and when she's gonna get into bed he should give her a push and she'll fall into the water and he should dip her three times and this will destroy the magic that the magician had placed on her and she'd love him so as she's getting into bed john pushes her into the tub okay and he dips her under the water the first time and she comes up the first time and she's this beautiful black swan with fiery eyes so he dips her again and she comes up as a white swan with a black ring around its neck john allows the water to he pushes her under the water once more and this time she comes up as the most beautiful princess and she's even more lovely than she was before and she thanks him for breaking the spell oh it's a swan princess it's a swan princess yep so the next day the king comes and they're married and um the traveling companion comes up and he tells him, you know, he has a staff in his hand and his backpack. And John tells him, like, he, you can't go. You have to stay with me. And he's, the traveler shakes his head and says gently, no, my time is now up. I've only paid my debt to you. Do you remember the dead man whom the bad people wished to throw out of his coffin? You gave all you possessed that he might return to his grave. I am that man. <laughs> As he says this, he vanishes. Yep. The wedding festivities lasted a whole month. John and his princess loved each other dearly, and the old king lived to see many a happy day. And when he took their little children on his knee and let them play with the scepter, and John became king over the whole country. Wow. The end. I know I loved the end because I was like, where is this guy from the church going to come in? Who is this traveler? Yeah, and they did. Uh huh. Yep. So the traveler came back to repay his debt. I thought it was just like saying that he was a good person, you know, like, yeah, like yep. deserving. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good little twist. But that wow. I had never heard that story and I was reading and I was like, this is really fucked up 
but also really beautiful at the same time. Right, right. <laughs> well, yeah, and I assume one of the more original takes on the Swan Princess, right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it that sounds is also like very she was under a curse, and mm-hmm. yeah, yep. And he freed her. Yeah. So there you go, the traveling companion. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready to hear about mushies. We're going to talk about mushies. Yay! And we're actually going to talk about mushroom circles. (gasps) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, have you ever heard of a mushroom circle? I have. Okay. Um, And then I wrote, if yes or no... You might have also heard them called something else. So they're also called fairy rings, elf circles, elf rings, fairy circles, you know, pixie rings, any anything swapped out with kind of a mythical being and ring or circle. It's the same thing. Okay. Gotcha. So what are they? Um well, they're exactly what they sound like. They're mushrooms that have grown into a circle. And you might be thinking, Corinne, why are you talking about <laughs> mushrooms that grow in a circle? Well, let me tell you, this is almost a perfect circle. Yeah. And how many times do you, have you seen something grow in a perfect cir- circle without any intervention? Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. Exactly. Exactly. That's why, that's why we're um so did you write it in all capitalized letters exactly yeah exactly (laughs) what kind of magic is said to dwell in mushroom circles um some people think that it might be aliens fairies or perhaps witches so there's a variety of explanations Mm -hmm. about this so the information that i found i was doing some research on these and I heard that there are like almost every location has some sort of explanation for mushroom circles or, you know, what caused them, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I mostly have information on like Germanic, English, Welsh, you know, Mm -hmm. Australian. Um, I heard there's also mushroom circles that come up in Africa. I don't know where in Africa though. So I just wanted to call that out, that there's Mm -hmm. reasons and these occur in lots of places. So, Mm -hmm. fairy rings. (laughs) (laughs) You're doing great. (laughs) Are said to be places where magical creatures dwell. So, such as fairies, duh, elves, witches, and more. Um, It's also said that the creatures would dance in their rings And not step outside of them as a part of like a celebration. So in German folklore, it said that the spring celebration of Walprugsnacht. Walprugsnacht? Sounds great. Um, It's the celebration of spring that's six months prior to Halloween. Oh, okay. Okay. So it said that during this, that the witches gather and dance in a circle leaving a ring of mushrooms when they're done. 
Okay, I actually really love that. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, so it's also said that, like, Germanic folklore really focuses on it them being witch circles. So it's usually, okay. you know, that's the explanation there. Is it, like, an evil, like, an evil thing? Or is it just a kind it, it of depends. a... It depends on where, where you're looking. Okay. And it's not evil for the creatures, Okay. Yeah. So, like, it's meant as like a safe space. Which okay, gotcha. Yeah. It's said also to just be evidence of witches dancing on okay. any old night, mm-hmm. and then like the results show up the next day, and they're like, yeah. "Oh, wow, witches were here," you know. Yeah. So it's kind of that kind of like evidence. Yeah. Wow. Um, mushrooms grow in a circle. Has to be witches. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> Fairies. Pixies. Yeah. Dancing. <laughs> I also read that like there are celebrations where they'll like use the like fairies or sprites would use the mushrooms as like tables. Oh, okay. For their celebrations, so they mm-hmm. like sit on the edge and drink and That's be adorable. merry while everybody's dancing in the middle. So you know, just the cutest. I love it. Just the cutest. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Like thinking, I randomly just remembered like a greeting card, and they're always. Like, my grandma used to own, like, a variety store, and mm-hmm. there were cards, and there was a particular artist that maybe she really liked, or I don't know. Anyway, there was cards, and there were fairies, mm-hmm. and every single picture, I swear, has mushroom. Yeah. It's interesting. I've never put that together in my brain. Yeah, I didn't really get into, like, the correlation of mushrooms with fairies particularly, uh-huh. but I'll yeah. put that in our fact check. Yeah, interesting. So, the center of the circle is usually found either with, like, thick, lush grass or vegetation mm-hmm. or completely dead. It's like okay. one or the other. Okay. And there are mythical explanations for that, but then there's also a science behind it. And I'll explain mm-hmm. that later. Um, so it's also said to be, as I said earlier, it's a gathering space or a safe space. So it's best to leave them alone if you find them in the wilderness. Like you don't mm-hmm. want to, you don't want to intrude on some like you wouldn't walk into somebody's house right mm-hmm. so yeah. it's like err on the side of caution um but it is said that if a human was to step into a mushroom circle the consequences could be like an annoyance mm. you know like bad luck or something much worse so you stub your toe or you could die that's literally what i have written down. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go that's it um and then (laughs) (laughs) that's ridiculous i mean yeah there's just a spectrum right yeah Uh i think it's i think the concept behind like the bad luck or like death is you can just blame it on Mm -hmm. so much right yeah it's like oh you probably walked through a fairy circle yeah you Mm-hmm. You stubbed your toe. Did you walk through a fairy circle? Or right. you died. Did you walk through a fairy circle? <laughs> you must have walked through a fairy circle. <laughs> you must have, you know. Um, so there's one myth that said uh that humans who stepped in to the middle of a mushroom circle were made to dance with whatever creatures dwelled there until okay. they passed out, went mad, or perished. Jeez. Just imagine dancing until you died. <laughs> Holy. <laughs> what? Yeah. Um, so I was listening to a podcast doing some research about this topic. 
and uh, the podcast is called Ladies Bright, and they suggested, like, I don't know if this is, has any bearing at all, but I liked their explanation, was like, the dead grass is if a human was trapped there for too long and, like, stomped it out, right? Ooh. I was like, oh, yeah. I don't know if that's true, but, you know, I liked it, so I'm going to share it. Yeah, that's a little bit dark. Um, so also if you come so if you come upon a mushroom circle or fairy ring in the wilderness, you know, you can leave it be. Or if you find one, you're supposed to you can also protect yourself by um running around the ring nine times to be exact. So and like that will kind of break any um bad luck that has been given to you as long as you don't step in the circle or disrupt the circle. Um, so in Dutch tradition, the circle is actually said to be made from the devil placing his milk churn. Okay. Um, which I have a lot of questions about that. (laughs) Like why? Is the devil making butter? Yeah. I don't Hmm. know. So... I couldn't find more on it. I was like, let's dive into that. I couldn't find more. So (laughs) I don't know. Uh, But then it said that if cows or livestock were to enter them, their milk was sour. Oh. So Hmm. that's, you know, you want to keep it away from, keep your cows away from it. Mm -hmm. Um, In France, they're known as sorcerer rings. Um, And I have a quote from fantasticphoneguy.com. Researchers found a fairy ring 2,000 feet in diameter in France. Holy cow. And it's more than 700 years old. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Massive. It's still there, right? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, it's wild. That is amazing. I'm like, how do you figure out... Like, and you just follow the mushrooms. Yeah, I guess, like, I don't know. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah, it's wild. Um, there are also, as I said, there are other variations, like, around the world um, about these circles. In Australia, it's said to be created and formed by a dragon whose tail burned the circle. Oh. In other cultures, they're believed to be caused by lightning strikes witchcraft or shooting stars so that's kind of i think where the alien aspect comes in Mm -hmm. and welsh folklore they're actually meant to be they're a good omen and they're meant to be good for supporting fertility so oh sumo she's just the worst you're good so before we get into the science of it i have um actually a legend um that i'm gonna kind of read to you and share with you about Um, a human getting trapped oh no okay so this uh legend is called reese at the fairy dance okay and it's spelled r-h-y-s shut up i know i was like (gasps) okay oh my gosh um and then his companion i'm gonna say it and then i'm probably saying it wrong but i'm gonna just own it so it's l-l-e-w-e-l-l-y-n so lay well in lay well in sure that's that's how i'm going with it sounds great so recently lay well in were 
working a long, hard day, and they were had finished up doing their chores for their master and were taking their horses back into town to go home for the day. And while they're traveling through the forest, Reese all of a sudden says, hey, can you hear that beautiful music? I must find, like, I have to go. And he just hops off his horse and runs into the forest. <laughs> Thank and you. Le- <laughs> is just like, um, okay, bye. Be safe. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. Um, and so he can't hear any music. So he's just like, maybe he's going to go drink, like. He's Maybe just trying to get out of his chores or something, you know. Yeah, so he he uh, Leowan ends up taking all the horses back to town with him and mm-hmm. um, thinking that he'll see Reese the next day, and he's not there. He doesn't show up for work, and so he's concerned because he's like, "Wait a minute, what's going on?" And then so now he's missing. People don't know oh, where he no. is. Can't find him, and so suspicion starts to fall on Leowan and like. Did you kill him? Oh, no. You know, like, so they're thinking there's murder or uh, foul play. Foul play. What's the thing Sherlock says? Something afoot. Oh, yeah. There's murder afoot? I don't know. I don't know I don't what he says. either. Fuck. Backtrack. Mischief afoot? I feel like maybe that's it. I don't know. Uncle Brandon yeah, will probably tell us. Know. Yeah, I can't find it. I don't know what to Google. <laughs> I know, like, uh, Sherlock afoot? Yeah. <laughs> His shoe size was ten and a half. <laughs> there you go. Um, anyway, so the townspeople are like, you must have murdered him. And he's like, no, I promise I didn't. Like, let me explain myself. And there's no evidence to show that he's murdered him. So mm-hmm. they're like, okay, well, well we've got to go find him. So they like put together a crew of people to go like searching for him. Mm-hmm. And so they finally make it out into the forest where they were walking by and they continue to like keep looking and they finally stumble upon like they can they can now hear what's going on. They can hear like harps and music playing and they're like, okay. oh, there must be something hidden. And so they finally like turn a corner and lo and behold, they see a mushroom circle. But in that mushroom circle are little elves. They okay. look like, you know, three or four year old toddler size. Mm-hmm. And this full grown man dancing his ass off. <laughs> and they're like, oh my God, there he is. You know, he's been here for days dancing. Oh and, my you know, gosh. he can't break the trance. And so um, Lewellyn Le- Le- reaches into the circle. Oh, and like over a branch hanging over it so he doesn't actually get into the circle and pulls mm. him out mm-hmm. and then Reese is like oh, where are the horses oh like, my gosh and he's like you've been missing for five days dude and he's like what <laughs> he's like I've only been here for five minutes <gasps> oh my gosh Ugh. and so he didn't know like that he got sucked into this kind of like what scenario Trans. he was in Yikes. and so they take him back home like try to take care of him but he's just melancholy and not well you know mm-hmm. he's never really done he didn't really do anything when he got home and so he ended up dying and they went back to the fairy ring to see if they could figure out what had happened and there was a heel print in one of the mushrooms. Oh, no. 
And that's oh. it. He stepped in the that's circle. That's it. He stepped oh, in the circle. He stepped on oh, one of the mushrooms he when he was leaving and died. Oh, no. Oh. Because he was cursed. That's I know. terrible. Poor Reese. Poor Reese. Um, so, yeah, that's my tale for you. But now let's talk science. Let's talk about what the heck is a mushroom circle and why does it happen? And there is a perfectly logical and debunking reason that they do grow in a circle. So let's talk with science because I love a good myth about sprites and wood nymphs and all that stuff, but how do these really go? So the answer is mycelium, uh, which is a spore that is critical for breaking down elements in the... Sorry, my mouth is so spitty. <laughs> um, it's critical for breaking down elements in forests, fields, and heavily wooded areas. So mycelium is found, it's when like the spore finds a spot to mm-hmm. nestle itself into the ground mm-hmm. and get all happy and fed off of these dead and decaying leaves and needles, all this stuff. And as the mycelium like grows and feeds, it starts to put out these things called hypha. And the hypha are these webs and branches mm-hmm. that grow out. Mm-hmm. And the way this clump of spores was settled into the ground it grows in a circle. So this hypha grows evenly out oh, from yeah, the that's center. Mm-hmm. Right? And like as it eats the nutrients from the ground, like mm-hmm. spores come up or mushrooms mm-hmm. come up with caps, mm-hmm. right? Which I didn't realize mushrooms were essentially a flower from a fungus. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the fungus uh, isn't, yeah. you know, I was like, oh, so they're like, they're a product of the fungus. I, mm-hmm. I always kind of thought they were the same thing. So anyway, yeah. these little mushroom caps come up. And so the reason that the grass is either really green or dead mm-hmm. is that there's so much nutrients being broken down that the grass is like lush and full. And mm-hmm. then the mycelium or mycelia and the hypha suck all those nutrients out of yeah. the ground and and feed mm-hmm. on it. Mm -hmm. And then it needs to expand further to get nutrients again. Mm -hmm. So that's why this one in France, that means that that mycelium's been there for 700 years and has continued to expand and grow. Holy cow. Exponentially. That's And it's only like three inches below the surface. They're not really deep. Wow. They like, they just continue to grow bigger and bigger over time. And so, and they reflower just like fruit or apples, you know, so it's like, they're not always present. You can't mm-hmm. always see the mushrooms, but when it's really rainy and that's why springtime, you know, association mm-hmm. and fall and mm-hmm. stuff is like breaking down and whatnot. So mm-hmm. you have these mushrooms show up periodically. That's why it can be all of a sudden you have a oh mushroom gosh. circle in your yard and you're like, wait so a minute, cool. where the fuck did this come from? And so people right. walking through the woods are like, I walk this route every day. Uh huh. There was a mushroom circle there yesterday. Mm-hmm. Witches were here last night. Yeah. You know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So there you go. That's the science behind it. But yeah. I love it. That's my mushroom circle story for you. I love it. That's so good. Oh my gosh. How did you even find that? Is were you just randomly listening to that <laughs> podcast and you were like No, no. Um, so my family has a Discord channel. Oh, okay. Where like literally my whole extended family 
has different channels that we can talk in and so mm. i have a more than miss channel where i like post about <laughs> our podcast and stuff i'm like hey you guys check out the new episode this week and mm-hmm. so my like steps my step siblings were on there and i was like i need ideas you guys help send me ideas and they're <laughs> like my stepbrother was like lilith or you know um yeah dionysus i think was another one i got and i was like okay i have I feel like I've done a lot of gods and stuff. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. and then my stepsister was like, how about mushroom circles? I was like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. And then no, I looked into it. Great. I was like, oh, this is like totally light and yeah, cool. So I love it. There we yeah, go. That is amazing. Oh my gosh. I want to look at pictures of that crazy big one. Right. We'll have some on our Instagram, but yeah, that is really cool. Yeah. It was really cool. I was pretty excited about it. Yeah. Yes, agreed. Thanks for tuning in this week, you guys. We really appreciate you stopping in. I'm sorry that I was sick and I felt like I was kind of low energy and really spitty. So (laughs) hopefully that cleans up over time. Otherwise, the next year is going to be brutal for you guys to (laughs) listen to. Um, But yeah, remember to check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter uh, for all of your information about our podcast and behind the scenes. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can also reach us at morethemythspodcast at gmail.com if we got anything wrong or if you want to say hey, just send us an email. We'd love to hear from you uh, wherever you podcast, if it's Apple, Google, Spotify, you know, wherever. You just follow and subscribe. Give us a like. If you have a couple minutes, leave us a review so we can get out there, get more friends, curious friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, if you have communities of people that are like, book nerds or mm-hmm. fantasy nerds or history nerds like if you could share and tell your fantasy nerd friends about us i feel like those are our people mm-hmm. and yeah, i know that there way. are so many out there mm-hmm. but we can't promote ourselves on most like group groups or forums it's like no. not really cool so yeah you guys get on there we're Go out. out there and tell them yeah tell them your friends and tell, tell your, your book friends. groups and tell your nerds tell your nerds <laughs> tell your nerds <laughs> until next time stay curious bye, bye. bye.